Good morning, everybody. Get the sound check and the volume going. Very good. Thank you, Pastor, for uh, leading us in worship this morning. Uh, I sang two songs I were unfamiliar with, and I don't believe I've sung before. And then uh, I sang another song, People Need the Lord, that we haven't sung, uh, Tara and I haven't sung anyway, for a long time. And it was a good reminder. Uh, That song was uh, very widespread as the Lord was dealing in our hearts to uh, uh, send us out into international missions. Uh, We were serving here in the southeast Indianapolis area, and the Lord put on our hearts that people elsewhere need the Lord. And we appreciate uh, Heather Hills Baptist Church. I praise the Lord for this church. It's had a great input on my life uh, through the years, uh, through my ministry years. And uh, I was just, as I was sitting there thinking, first of all, one of the people the Lord has brought into my life is my wife, Tara. Now, those that have been here the last couple of days, um, been able to get to know her again. Tara, just stand and do your smile and wave. <laughs> yeah, it is a British Commonwealth thing. We learned in Papua New Guinea and then in Australia. You know, the royalty have to smile and wave. So anyway, that's her role. I do all the work. Um, <laughs> Not really, <laughs> as uh, we will see as we get into um, the Word and um, our, our slide presentation. Now, I have to get set up. First of all, thank you, Jim. I have some Cyril's coffee here this morning. Um, and I appreciate this church. They even have um, a place to put your coffee <laughs> where it'll be out of the way and I won't. Um... Very good. All right, we'll get going. Um, just to get us, get our minds gathered together, what is your favorite Bible verse? What verse has made an impact on your life? Maybe it's a, uh, not, not just a verse you've memorized, but a, a verse that's maybe your favorite or has had an impact on your life. If um, we we're in a different setting and if we weren't um, under time constraints, we could share one with another. Um, For the sake of time and also for the sake of our uh, ministry this weekend, make sure you pick up one of these bookmarks, Bible bookmarks, Faith Over Fear. There's a couple verses here. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And that's probably going to become more and more uh, dear to us perhaps in uh, the years ahead. Uh, but a verse I've been familiar with a long time, and um, uh, we will uh, continue on in Second Timothy this morning. Uh, but in, uh, early in the book, the Apostle Paul knew about fear, uh, or he knew of reasons he could be afraid. But evidently, he wasn't afraid too much because he kept going back for more. If I was shipwrecked once, that'd be it. He was five times. Why? Because God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So I hope you'll add this to your uh, favorite verses. Um, The first verse that made an impact in my life growing up in a a little Baptist church near the city of Chicago, actually uh, underneath the flight path of O'Hare Airport, which uh, was the world's busiest airport for most, most of my life while I was living there, 
Uh, John 3.16, and the pastor's wife taught us that in Sunday school, and I remember it, and still use it uh, this day. And uh, uh, it began to plant the seed that people need the Lord because God loved the world, loved the people of the world, not the creation of the world, not the world system that we're dealing with so much these days, but the, God loved the people of the world that he gave he, he showed his agape love. And, and I've understood that verse more and more throughout my uh, Christian life. But then as a teenager, my aunt, who was um, my Sunday school teacher in um, early high school years, she was filling in the gap till a man was able to come in and stand in there. She challenged us to, to choose a life first. And I thought, well, that's a big thing. You can't just do that in a week. And uh, it took me a couple weeks, but 2 Timothy 3.16 became very important in my life. All Scripture is inspired by God, and the Word of God teaches us and prepares us. In verse 17, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped to all good works. And, And I can testify that God's Word as well as many people of pastors, Sunday school teachers, youth directors, have shaped my life and helped prepare me for the ministry that God has. And I um, trust that you'll find uh, important verses in your life. But then as I was in Bible school 45 years ago, and I took a homiletics class, and we were to choose a verse for our first sermon the verse that I chose, and in the background of my four decades of ministry has been very important to me, and it's often been in the back of my mind, uh, whether it was in youth ministry out of First Baptist of Beach Grove, and we connected a lot and worked a lot here with Heather Hills Baptist Church, uh, whether it's in um, uh, mission work now, and, and even especially in my recent years, is Second Timothy 4, 1 to 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. I chose this verse for a couple of reasons. I think the main reason I chose it is it had four distinct phrases. It would be very easy to outline, and I'd uh, have easy preparation and, and easy to get a good grade for my first sermon. And um, but, it, but the Lord's... Uh, kind of, I think, chose it for me because it stayed in the back of my mind through the years. Um, Actually, it was while at Faith Baptist Bible College out in Iowa. I uh, grew up near the city of Chicago, went out there, um, and like Goldilocks, one city was too big, one city was too small, and Indianapolis was just right. And so uh, it was um, a joy to come here to Indianapolis. But while I was out there, I, I began meeting some people from Heather Hills Baptist Church, and the Townsend family and others that uh, uh, connected us to this church early on in my ministry. But uh, I want to look at this verse and share a little bit of how it's impacted my life and ministry. I use it to rehearse uh, some of the things the Lord's enabled us to do, even in these last few years in the country of Australia. Now, the picture you're looking at there is not Australia. That's our family in the late 90s when we were in Papua New Guinea. And those of you that were here at this time as we went out into missions in the late 80s 
in the early 90s. And uh, Heather Hills Baptist Church has been a part of that, uh, our entire missions ministry. Uh, we, we went to Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea uh, was a place where my father served in World War II. But the Lord called us to serve and um, uh, bring them to peace, not with the nations around them, but peace with God. And we're thankful for our ministry there. We were able to teach in a Bible school and train up leaders for the future. And um, we, we may refer to more of that later. Uh, recently, I met a Papua New Guinean who was a graduate of the same Bible college. And the teachers he had were the students that I taught many years ago, back in the 90s. Seems like a long time ago, and, and yet it doesn't in other ways. And so we're thankful for our ministry in Papua New Guinea. Uh, on the weekends, just so we weren't bored, we went up to a village and ministered at a church. Uh, Tara taught them literacy, how to read in the pidgin language so that they can have leadership and, and teachers in the church. I was um, elected to um, chop trees into boards and beams and pillars, and we built the church building as well as, uh, more importantly, the people of the church. And uh, we had a wonderful time for baptisms out there. You just uh, put some roofing iron there in the creek, and it would build up, and you'd have a baptismal. And it was beautiful weather, and uh, uh, we, we had some great times. And we're thankful for our ministry in Papua New Guinea. And then the Lord directed us down under a little farther. We were already across the pond and south of the equator, and in uh, following 9-11 uh, and around the year 2002, we uh, felt the Lord's leading. Uh, we had felt it earlier. It was in the back of our minds, and then that brought it to the front of our minds. And we went from a mountain area of a mile high living in Papua New Guinea to the coastal areas of Australia, near uh, the world-class city of Sydney. And we, we had a variety of ministries, and we continue to have a variety of ministries. Uh, I've made up a business card with the uh, heading of Morning Star Ministries, A New Beginning with God. In Australia, many people have heard the gospel, and uh, many people in my generation and above had been to Sunday school even. And, and to this day, they have scripture classes in the public schools. They know God, but one, only one out of seven of people who've been involved with church continue to regularly attend. Most of them are disenfranchised, disappointed with God, disappointed with God's people, disappointed with God's message, perhaps. And um, so I felt they needed a new beginning with God. People that were coming from other cultures that have uh, a non-Christian religion background, they thought they were worshiping the true God or maybe the thousands of true gods. And they, too, needed a new beginning with God. And this has been our challenge. Uh, we, we've enjoyed being able to go into the public schools and teach Scripture uh, on a three-year uh, curriculum that has a three-year comprehensive cycle that regularly presents the gospel each quarter of the school year. And uh, Tara and I have both been involved in that. And in recent years, I've had the privilege of going to five different schools, teaching eight different classes uh, many weeks of the term, and uh, have had some great 
opportunities, some great experiences, and some great blessings in that. But as we uh, think of the verse, uh, verse 5, let's look at the context, the verses beforehand, which we've already read this morning. And uh, I just want to outline and, and bring out some of the highlights of each verse. Verse 1, here we have the Apostle Paul later on in his life, and as we would, if we read farther, he realized he was going to be martyred for the cause. He, he not only was uh, in his 60s, but uh, he, was in impri- he was imprisoned, and he was not free to minister, but Timothy still was. And he wrote this letter to Timothy, who uh, came to the Lord under the Apostle Paul's ministry when he was a young man. And he's still a young man. He's, he's just now in the prime of his life, perhaps in his uh, young 30s. And the Apostle Paul says, I charge you. I, I want to stir you up. I, I want you in the presence of God to uh, be ready for the ministry, to take up the torch and continue on with what I have started uh, through God's will and God's spirit. And he says, I charge you by Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead. I think the key thing in this verse is that Jesus will judge. Jesus will judge the living and the dead. In the old King James, it talked about the quick and the dead. Uh, the church I grew up in was um, on Irving Park Road. It uh, went through our town. It went down to the lake front, Lake Michigan, and out to the suburb of Elgin. Maybe you've heard of Elgin and, and uh, uh, different things from Elgin. Um, and it was a very busy road. At one time, they... they uh, cleared out all the parking, so now there's two lanes going each way. And we used to joke about uh, at, at church there, when, when you walked across the street, you had to be very careful. And if you, were, if you were quick, you were alive. If not, you were dead. The quick and the dead. And um, so everyone is going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And, of course, we know there's different judgments And the world that does not receive Christ as their Savior will also be judged. Philippians says, God has highly exalted him and given him, Jesus, a name which is above every name. And it's in the name of Jesus that we serve together. But at that name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those in heaven and those on earth, those under the earth, every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will be a judgment time for the world, and they will realize who Jesus is. Now, for those of us who know Christ, we've accepted Christ, and we thank the Lord, whether it's through our parents, through a friend, um, through a television ministry, or through a local church, Sunday school outreach, we put our faith in Jesus Christ, and, and we know him, and we've been serving him. We'll also be judged. Are our works going to burn up? Were they done with our own effort and our own um, motivation in mind? Wood, hay, stubble? Or hopefully and thankfully, and I believe much of the ministry of Heather Hills Baptist Church and you dear people that we've worked together with through the years, uh, we'll have gold, silver, and precious stone as we've served God sincerely and faithfully. 
Let's remember that Jesus will judge, even as we walk in this uncertain world. Uh, we don't have to have fear, but we know that his power is with us, and uh, ultimately he will judge. And then as we work, as we serve, we work with the word. In verse 2, it says, preach the word, proclaim the word of God. It's the word that is our toolbox. It's the word that convicts people of their need for Jesus, that um, convicts us of what we need to change in our life. We need to preach the word. We work with the word. We need to be ready like a Boy Scout in season and out of season. Uh, the word is what we have. Now, you may be saying, that's a great verse for you, Brother Allen. God's called you into full-time ministry. That's great for Pastor Brian McCory, and he needs to work with the Word. But you know, each of us can and really should have some kind of teaching ministry. We are to be making disciples. Fathers are to teach their children. Uh, the uh, mature ladies in the church are to be teaching the younger ladies. All of us have some kind of teaching ministry. Uh, one commentator has um, expounded on that, said in the Great Commission, uh, as we are called to make disciples, teaching them is part of Christ's command. We are all called to preach and teach the Scripture. The only difference is the forum and the pay. Some will teach from pulpits to large crowds, others to individuals and small groups. And some of us... Uh, have the opportunity for both of that. Much of our work in ministry in Australia is with small groups, is with individuals. But all of us work with the Word. We've enjoyed being neighbors with the Ertles and getting to know Greg Ertle through the years. And um, while we were away, uh, he's been uh, uh, given the position of an elder here at the church. And uh, he, he sometimes preaches from here. But before that, he taught Sunday school. He was working with the Word. He's taught his family uh, through the years. And um, what, what this commentator is saying is, whether you're up front in person or at home or in a small group Bible study, it's the Word that we are working with. And we are to preach and proclaim the, the whole counsel of God, the entire Word of God. And then in verse 3, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. One reason the Lord has blessed Heather Hills Baptist Church and enabled it to go on and continue to have a great ministry is the pastors that we have known through the years and especially now faithfully teach the Word of God. They endure sound teaching and they teach sound teaching. And you've been blessed and continue to be blessed in that way. But it's not always that way in all churches and uh, with all Christians in the world. I want to introduce you to my friend Lou. Lou is a carpet cleaner and cleaned the carpet at, our, uh, at one of our churches we were working with and the Christian school. He found out I was from Chicago and he kind of adopted me and I have some German background. He's from Austria. Uh, Lou's an interesting fella. He was a Roman Catholic in Austria. When he was 18, he left the family farm and the church, went to Canada to seek his fortune and become a lumberjack. That was hard work, so he started selling vacuum cleaners. <laughs> While he was in Aust 
while he was in Canada, his landlady was a Jehovah's Witness. So he heard about Jehovah's Witness. After six, seven years, he went to Australia. And while in Australia, he began dating uh, a lady whose pastor was the pastor of a brethren church. Lou said, for a year and a half, I went to church every Sunday with a suit and tie, morning and evening, just to win this girl's favor. And she broke off the engagement because she realized Lou really hadn't given his life to the Lord. Well, Lou went on, and after a few years, he married a lady who was a Mormon. So Lou's had quite an eclectic, somewhat confusing background. But I've helped him uh, clean carpets through the years, and we enjoy talking about Chicago and uh, German food and European food and different things. And he is a, a great a bit of a historian on, uh, well, he lived through World War II, so he has some stories to tell. Anyway, one day Lou says, I've been cleaning carpets at the Hillsong um, uh, dormitory, and they've invited me to come to the conference tonight. Will you take me? He was about 82 years old, about 80 years old at the time. I said, sure, Lou, I'll take you. I was curious about that conference. So that evening, I drove him down to the center of Sydney to Acer Auditorium, 10,000 people. Uh, they often play basketball there, and it's right in the middle of the Olympic site set up for the year 2000. And our speaker for the evening was Joel Olstein. Maybe you've heard of him. I thought this ought to be good. And it was. They introduced him, and he started on time, and he was very well spoken, told a little of his background, history of his church, and then he, he brought out a verse of scripture, Proverbs 13:22b. Only one half of one verse. And, then, and he continued on, finished in exactly 30 minutes. This morning you will, may have wished Joel Olstein will be here because <laughs> we may not finish in 30 minutes. He did a wonderful job, and I could see why people would, would enjoy listening to him. But his message was, God's going to take the money from the wicked and give it to the righteous. That's what people want to hear. There was 10,000 people listening to every word he had to say. And he said a lot of words, and God only said a couple words in those 30 minutes. People have itching ears, don't they? They want to hear what they want to hear. But God's word is sharp and powerful. It, it cuts us into our soul and our spirit. It knows the inner think, workings of our heart and, and our motivations in thinking. We need to have the word and not wander off in the mists and uh, turn away from the truth. As we minister and as we get on to uh, the core of this verse, what God wants us to do is to be sober in all things, be alert in our mind, be ready to endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill and complete the ministry that he has given to us. First of all, be sober. The word means more than abstaining from alcohol and drugs, although that's very important and a very important part of the message as we worked with young people in the 1980s here in the Indianapolis area. We don't want other things to take over our life and our mind. But we need to be clear thinking. We need to look ahead. We need to understand the world around us. 
We need to discern what God wants us to do with our spiritual gifts and abilities and the place and the position he's put us in. We need to be sober and clear thinking. Fill our minds with the word of God, meditate on God's word, and let it guide us and direct us. And that will prepare us for the ministry. Uh, various times uh, in my ministry, whether it was in youth or in Papua New Guinea, in Papua New Guinea, things were pretty well laid out for me. We had a Bible school. Uh, it was already up and running. I was assigned classes. Uh, I had to prepare for those and teach these young men who were uh, committed to uh, learning um, how to become a pastor and go back to their village. And, and we thank the Lord for that time and that ministry. Uh, then at a certain point, the Lord led us to Australia, and we had to think through what was going to be happening. We thought, well, we would be involved in church planning, and then as we raised up some churches and some young people committed to the Lord, we'd uh, start a Bible institute. Well, by the time I got there, they had already started the Bible institute, and so things got flip-flopped. And we were able to train some young men in the ministry. And then later on in our uh, ministry, and especially these last few years, we've been able to be involved with church planning. And the Lord, through a, a Baptist pastor and a local church and some interns coming over from um, Mississippi, connected us with a new church that was starting in our area. Uh, earlier, we had met a couple uh, families, or one young family especially, at a youth camp. And uh, Craig and his wife were involved with uh, another older couple in starting a new church. And the Lord's enabled us, and we were able to think clearly and see what God had for us. And we've had a great ministry working with One Redeemer Church out in the Hawkesbury area, and then uh, a little later on with Life Church starting uh, in the greater Marsden Park area, right next to just the other side of the tracks from where we've been living and serving for a few years already. We need to think clearly, both for our own benefit and for uh, what does God want us to do and minister in the life of head. But we also need to be tough. We need to be ready for anything. We need to endure hardship. When we changed from Papua New Guinea to Sydney, Australia, a lot of people would kind of laugh and say, oh, I can understand why you'd change there. Uh, Sydney's a wonderful place to live. Papua New Guinea is a bit dangerous and, and mysterious and that. And while that's true, in some places there, there's danger moving to Australia. The world's most deadliest snakes, saltwater crocodiles, sharks, all of which are protected species. They should protect us people there a little bit, maybe. Um, but what, what toughness and endurance can you find in a world-class city? Well couple things. Traffic. Lots of stoplights. Lots of traffic. Everywhere you go, it, it hinders you. Also, the cost of living. Um, and I think that was maybe on this other slide. The cost of living was very expensive. And the first several years we lived there, our buying power was cut in half because the Australian dollar grew in value and the U.S. dollar was going down in value. And so we had to be a little more uh, judicious in our decisions. Uh, Tara kept feeding the family, even though I had to borrow food money to keep the car going sometimes. 
So there's little challenges of day-to-day -day life that you have. But I think the biggest challenge is the philosophical challenge. And more and more in the Western world, as other philosophies come in, as atheism takes over, as foreign uh, religions become more and more prominent. Two of our earliest neighbors uh, lived across the street. They were Indian heritage from the island of Fiji. And uh, they were both taxi drivers. A few years later, I went back to visit BJ and... Uh, he said, um, as I walked up, I said, BJ, how you doing? He said, oh, it was good to see you. And uh, he says, oh, I want you to meet Osama bin Laden. He was changing shifts, and the fellow that showed up to take over his cab looked just like Osama bin Laden, except he was about a foot shorter from what I understand the real Osama bin Laden was. So we gave greetings, and he told, me, told him I was an American here working with churches, and uh, we talked a little bit. And then this guy started talking to me and yelling at me and blaming America and Christians for killing his family and causing a lot of trouble in their country. And a lot of what he said is true. Uh, we don't live in a pretty world. There's been some difficult things that have happened. And he went off at me for about 10 minutes, and I really didn't know what to say. I really wasn't expecting it. But for really the first time in my life, I had felt um, not so much threatened, but really assaulted for my beliefs and for my life and for everything I stand for. After he finished his tirade for a few minutes, uh, I apologized for a few things. I said, yes, a lot of those things uh, weren't very good, and I did remind him, I said, it might be better that you don't fly airplanes into any of our buildings, and uh, maybe some of these things wouldn't uh, be as bad as, they, as you said. That happened to me not once, but three different times in three different settings. There's different philosophies in this world, enemies of the gospel, enemies of um, God's work and, and God's purpose, and uh, Sydney is a multicultural society, and, and they're proud of that, and they talk about that. And that's great if you like Turkish kebabs, and you like Italian uh, uh, food and pizza, and you enjoy Thai food, which is a little different than Chinese, which uh, is different from Indian curry. Multiculturalism can be great in some ways, but you have opposite worldviews, worldviews that conflict and can't fit together. And these are some of the challenges that we endure uh, and, and in Sydney in our ministry with people who need the Lord, our friends, our neighbors, people we run across in our day-to-day -day lives. But here the Apostle Paul says, don't just be clear-minded, be sober, don't just be ready to endure suffering, but do the work of an evangelist. Australia probably peaked in its Christianity back in 1959 and 1969 when uh, Billy Graham made his uh, last visit there. And thousands filled the stadiums. And uh, many came to know the Lord during that time. And, and we had met some of them uh, through that time. But more and more people in Australia are resistant to the gospel. They're becoming more and more secularized and confused by the different worldviews presented with them. 
we have to do the work of an evangelist. Just as we did when we were in Indianapolis in youth ministry, uh, Tara is not a night owl, but she would stay up all night, or at least most of it, with some of our youth rallies, youth activities. We would put on a big program, and uh, again, we, we worked with um, Heather Hills, First Baptist Beach Grove, about eight churches in the Indianapolis area. We would do the work of an evangelist, put unsaved people in contact with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we would try different methods, and we do the same thing in Australia. One of the opportunities in recent years, since our children were no longer with us, I was free on Saturday mornings to go down and hang out with the local motorcycle club. Every Saturday morning, religiously, at 8.30, they meet for coffee. Sometimes have a bacon and egg roll. Sometimes they'll actually go out and ride a motorcycle. They're actually a lot like Christians. They like to meet and eat, and a few of them actually are motorcyclists, you know, and actually do something about it. Think about that, all right? But anyway, the Lord, um, and I, I did it originally primarily just so I'd meet some fellows and be able to ride motorcycles with them. But also, as we've sung earlier, people need the Lord. And if we will spend some time, and, and our family uh, started this practice in Papua New Guinea. While we were with the Bible school students all week, we were with churches uh, and villages on Sunday. Saturday was for sinners. And we purposely find things to do that we can interact with sinners, people that are unchurched on Saturdays. And so this enabled us, and uh, these four gentlemen here, um, I, I could tell you a story about each one. Uh, uh, Marty, a, a very sensitive, disenfranchised Catholic fella. Uh, Steve, an atheist, uh, agnostic, uh, very intellectual. He's an engineer, a uh, very friendly fellow, likes to talk about technology. Uh, two things he doesn't like to talk about are politics and religion. In spite of that, he's a pretty interesting fella. Um, Sebastian, we've just gotten to know in recent years, and uh, being Italian, because he's a friend of Mario's, uh, but his brother was an Assemblies of God pastor, and so he knew the gospel and had made a profession with, with Christ. And Mario was um, a fellow, he introduced himself. Uh, he heard I was a bit of a pastor or a priest, he said, asked when he met me. He says, I'm what you call a poor Christian. I only go to church on Christmas and Easter. Well, at least he was honest about it and open. I said, that's okay, Mario. And he says, I don't even go to the Catholic church. I like going to Hillsong and their big productions. I said, that's okay. And Tara and I went there. Uh, we, we went to the Christmas uh, program one year, met his wife, Rosemary, and, and started a, uh, an ongoing relationship with him. We need to do the work of an evangelist as we meet people. Uh, the Ulysses Motorcycle Club's the largest social club in Australia, 18,000 members. They have local chapters all over. And um, we, we sometimes meet in large groups. We go for rides. We end up in smaller groups. God's given us opportunities to uh, uh, share what we believe and invite them to certain uh, church outreaches. Ula and Carl have come with us to church several times, and we've had discussions at their home. Um, Ula's looking for peace. She's a nurse. She deals with death and dying quite a bit and, and looking for peace in her life. 
and just is not easy in coming to the Prince of Peace. As good friends, we went with them to their citizenship ceremony, but now we're working on introducing them to becoming citizens of heaven and embracing Jesus Christ in their lives. We talked about fear, and I was going to bring that up a little bit earlier when we meet different worldviews and people that don't uh, know the Word of God. Uh, there can be a lot of fear in that. Another fear we have is failure, whether it be church planning or sharing our faith or having outreach activities. There's a fear of failure. Uh, the Life Church that started in our um, not too far from our house, just across the railroad tracks, would go out to the neighborhood and pass out flyers. One of the subtle differences between the United States and Australia, Australia, you can pass out a church flyer and put it in the mailbox. So we would often go to neighborhoods and, and put them in the mailbox and maybe knock on a few doors and meet people along the way. doesn't bring a lot of fruit, but it's just one thing we're able to do. And Life Church had done it three or four times in this community. Well, another time came up, and I went, and another church joined us. I went with another man, and Tara went with another lady. Tara and this lady ran across Jess. Jess, here he is with his two boys. Uh, he also has a wife, Nicole. Jess was out in the garage working on his Harley, cleaning it up a little bit. And Tara went up and said, oh, we're just passing out flyers for a new church. And um, she says, um, oh, my husband likes, motors, likes motorcycles. Maybe uh, you can go riding with him. Jess kind of looked at him, kind of looked at his arms. He had tattoos up both sides and said, ah, I don't know if he'd like to ride with the likes of me. And Tara said, oh, yeah, he'll ride with anybody. <laughs> Jess says, well, what kind of motorcycles you got? And uh, Tara said, well, it's a Triumph. Oh, that's okay. At least it's not a Japanese model. Uh, he was hoping it was a Harley. Anyway, that began our, our relationship with Jess. We went by uh, a few weeks later with our classic Mustang and, uh, that we brought over there from uh, Franklin Township area. And uh, he, was, he was impressed with that. Uh, and and it, we had a began an ongoing relationship. Jared began coming to youth group and uh, found out his mom was nominally Anglican when she was growing up. And, and they wanted good teaching for their children because Jess did not have a very good relationship with his father. He was, his father was in jail as much as home. He still doesn't talk to him much to this day. And Jess was trying to clean up his own life. He had uh, moved from his old neighborhood to a new neighborhood to start, turn over a new leaf, start a new life. Didn't tell his old friends where he was going. But we began telling him, Jess, you can only do so much in your own strength to really change your life. You need Jesus Christ to change it from within. And he was very open to it. I could go by any time, have a coffee with him. We did go on some motorcycle rides together. And he came to the Franklin Graham Crusade and he understood what it meant to be committed as a Christian. And uh, uh, he, he enjoys watching Franklin Graham on video and even the old Billy Graham crusades. He likes the old time preaching the best. So we're thankful that while doing the work of an evangelist, God led us together. It wasn't anything special that we did or said, 
the Lord had prepared us. Uh, we had some common interest, but God was working in his life. Paul told Timothy, we need to do the work of an evangelist, part of the ministry of the church, after we gather here together to praise the Lord week by week, to learn from his word, is to be a witness and a testimony and see what is God doing among our friends and neighbors and how can we lead them to uh, an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Finally, the Apostle Paul says, Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Complete your work. In the old King James Version, it said, make full proof of your ministry. And I took that to heart. We, we want to know that we have some results. We, we want to see, and as we've been thinking back, what God has uh, enabled us to do these last several years, Tara has had a great input on uh, the lives of some young ladies. Uh, the two on the far left through her piano ministry, um, she starts with prayer, she talks to them, what's going on in their life, commits it to the Lord, and then they get into their music. These two young ladies are both playing um, keyboard, piano, organ in their local churches and are involved. We're thankful for that. We met this young Chinese gal, uh, and um, she felt that she had learned so much about Christ at university and was a committed Christian after a couple of years in the working world. She wanted to go back to university as a missionary, but she didn't know if she should do it now, wait a while, and Tara uh, encouraged her and said, if God's dealing with your heart now, take a step of faith. And so even before this virus hit, Christine, who came from China to Wollongong University, is now at Australian National University, ready to talk to other Chinese students. Then the virus hit, and they couldn't come into the country. But she's been able to do other ministry, and she is in place. And when Australia opens the door, Christine is already in place. And so we're thankful for the influence that Tara has had over many people. Together, we've been able to work with One Redeemer Church, with, with Life Church, with Inner West Baptist Church. Pastor Rame is a, uh, a Lebanese person uh, that's right in the inner city of, of uh, Sydney. And so we're thankful for the churches that continue on in their ministry and for the different roles we've been able to play. Sometimes leadership, sometimes preaching and teaching, other times behind the scenes being a greeter, or serving at, at a fellowship dinner, whatever opportunities are there, we've been able to serve. And we're thankful for these churches that continue to go on. Uh, in recent years and months, we've been connected with Belmont Bible Fellowship. Uh, they have a vision for their local community with uh, a food distribution outreach. They offer free counseling and they're also looking to plant a new church on the north side of Lake Macquarie. Uh, we live on the east side. So we're anxious to see what the Lord may do with that in the future. God has given your church a rich history here in this area. We've been free to go overseas because many good churches and many good Christians are covering the Indianapolis area, and we thank you for that. But as we look to the future, as we continue on with our present programs and, and people that we're in contact with, let's be reminded what the Apostle Paul told Timothy years ago 
some good tips that are timeless in ministry. We should be sober, be tough, outward focused. We need to be faithful. We should keep a clear mind in every situation. And as new challenges come across our way, keep a clear mind, focus on the word. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. We may have to take some time off of work and go to the legislature or be at a protest rally. We may have to uh, uh, speak freely of our faith, even though it's not politically correct. We cannot be afraid and fear suffering for the Lord. We need to work at telling others the good news. You may not have the gift. It may not be easy. It may not always produce fruit. And we get discouraged, but we need to work at it and fully carry out the ministry that God has given each of us as individuals, collectively as a local church and collectively as the church of Jesus Christ, serving him until he comes again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fearless ministry of the Apostle Paul. He had to stir Timothy up. Timothy was a bit timid. Father, I relate more to Timothy than the Apostle Paul. And yet we can take these tips throughout the history of the church. Help us to be sober-minded. Help us to endure afflictions. Help us to do the work of evangelism. And may we fulfill the ministry that you have prepared us for. You have called us to and you have given us until your son comes again. It's in his name we pray. Amen.